Hi, and welcome back to the How to Decorate podcast from Ballard Designs. We want to teach you how to decorate your home and unleash your inner decorator. So we'll be interviewing interior designers, stylists, and other talents in the design world, sharing the trials and triumphs of our own homes, and also answering your decorating questions. I'm Caroline. I run the Ballard Designs blog, How to Decorate. And I'm Taryn, and I'm on the product design team at Ballard. And I'm Karen Mooney, and I had a branding at Ballard. And we're your hosts. Okay, before we do our trials and triumphs, yes. we have a little announcement for people. What is it? Are you pregnant? No. Karen's <laughs> pregnant. I'm upset. Oh, my God. <gasps> no. Joe, get excited. <laughs> uh, everyone's leaving the house, finally. <laughs> uh, Karen's about to die. my trials. <laughs> no. No. No, Back to reality. <laughs> it's good news for for all of our podcast listeners. We have a little Christmas gift for you. Every week during the month of December, we're going to have an episode. Not every two weeks, every week. Yay. Yay that's that's awesome. exciting. Everyone loves a good lesson. So Yeah. And people ask us all the time, I want it every week. And, and we have not done it every week only because it's extremely difficult to get four individuals in a room in yeah. a room with two hours, like people are always traveling anyway. So that's why we haven't. But we have so many inter- awesome interviews lined up and that we've recorded we just didn't want to wait anymore. Uh-uh. So get them out there. Or give them to you. Happy holidays, That's right. you guys. <laughs> Feel free to send us gifts. For all that traveling you're doing on the road or, uh, yeah, True. you can just oh, listen yes. up all all over the states. Or listen while countries. you're decorating the house. <gasps> Perfect. Mm. Let's do our trials and triumphs. Okay, let's Before do Before we get to Chip Wade, let's talk about our lives. Mm. Okay, Karen, you're first. They're riveting. I think Caroline's triumph should be those earrings she's rocking right now. They're pretty cool. They're real cute. Oh, mm-hmm. triumph. Thank you. Okay, well, I can do that, actually, because it's an Atlanta. <laughs> that wasn't going to be my trial or my triumph, but it's an Atlanta girl. And I found her at that store called Swooks. Swooks. It's a consignment store. Yes, story. I've been following them on Instagram ever since they recommended. They have some cool things. They do. They do. And um, I, I also followed them on Instagram. And they posted about these this jewelry designer here. I think they posted her earrings and I liked them, but I wasn't quite, they weren't like quite what I wanted. But anyways, um, did you so commission I, earrings? No, 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 no. Okay. <laughs> but I just kept like looking out for this one designer. Like I need to check out her stuff. And, um, I went over to the West side store, which unfortunately is now they closed it. So it's only a buckhead, but the jewelry store name is Connie and Jack. Her name is Alyssa. She has some really fun, like, tribal jewelry. And, like, mm-hmm. it's really big and bold. Yeah. And um, oh, I love that. I Connie and Jack. Yes. Cute. And um, anyway, so I got this pair at Swoops. And then I, she posted another pair on Instagram. She does that a lot. Like, she'll post on Instagram. And then she'll put a link to it on, like, her website. And, um, and like, the actually, the, the, other, the second pair I bought... Um, I messaged her on Instagram and was like, hey, I really like these. How, like, where do I find them? They're not on your site. Mm-hmm. She said she hadn't, she had not actually put them up yet. But because I asked first, she would let me know when I put, when she put them up so I could get, you know, she'd reserve them for me. And she, and, and I was going to have to have her mail them to me, but I was like, you're in Atlanta. Like, can we come up with some? Anyway, so she met me here at our store and, um, you did an earring exchange at the store? Yeah, well, I mean, I love it. it was money slash <laughs> earring exchange. <laughs> well, I mean, I've been motor. Yeah. 
anyways so it was like so easy good to know anyway so follow them on instagram all right it's triumph. connie and jack like mm-hmm. just an just the letter n, n. Not an and mm-hmm. but i was really trying to punt to you originally because okay. i couldn't think of a trial <laughs> your life's so perfect that you have no trials well no mm. there are trials they're just not, none none of them are really your baby hasn't vomited on any of your furniture yet and ruined it well yes that has happened multiple times <laughs> i will say <laughs> that i am very pleased with the choices i made in the nursery um namely the umbrella on my glider chair which mm. is where many a spit up happens mm-hmm. and also the patterned rug that i have oh, raised yeah. about because <laughs> the pattern even though like i think there was one stain that didn't come out like a hundred percent pattern made it so you you could not in fact see it so yeah cleaning up a lot of spit up yeah doing a lot of laundry right now um that's a trial yeah yeah but i haven't really been doing much around the house so nothing has like you're kind of busy nothing has gone wrong baby home (laughs) yeah exactly exactly so anywho okay those are my friends i'll go i hope yours is is this more about the about the basement there's so much going on in the basement that it's hard to narrow it down to like a single trial triumph. Although we have painted it and I really, really love the color. Um, so I told you we painted, painted this peacock blue, the mm-hmm. Ace Hardware color. <laughs> it's all painted now and it's really pretty. And it's basement. It's a basement, but it's shiny and I don't know, I like it a lot. So, and then he laid the tile in the wine cellar um, over the last couple of days. And it's this, Ooh. it's like five inch tiles that are black and white, but they're all different, like a different design. So it's pretty busy. I love it. (laughs) Both my husband and son are puking. Yeah. They're like, Um, Oh my God, mom, what did you, and I'm like, it's great. Plus half of it's (laughs) going to be covered up with wine bottles and it's a tiny little room. Like it's cool to have. mm -hmm, It's, well, because wine racks, just wine racks will cover up. She just drops bottles in there. Yeah. (laughs) Just roll on the floor. So the, is the wine rack like a freestanding thing? Like, describe to me. Is well, you know a, how closet is it like a full room? What are we? It's talking a room. About? Sounds fancy. It's like it's probably nine by twelve or something oh. like. It's bigger than we planned because it is fit between. It fits between like two supports in the basement, and so we didn't want to like move a bunch of foundational stuff around. Mm-hmm. So we just sort of built the walls where the beams were okay so to speak right. and so it's larger than one needs it's like <laughs> enough for like three thousand bottles of wine <laughs> that's so amazing yeah and so we can keep a lot of that's a lot of wine podcast rosé down <laughs> in the, in the basement mean, wine cellar <laughs> we're gonna need we're gonna need to drink more yeah. per podcast in yeah. order to help your basement out true it sounds like. you're doing me a favor <laughs> <laughs> I can only give so much of myself. Uh-huh. So. Uh-huh. <laughs> so I guess, well, here is, I was going to save this for later, but here's a potential downside that I just realized from my <laughs> renovation. So I guess I wasn't paying really very much attention to when we were going to finish. I think I might've <laughs> mentioned this to you ladies. So we, you know, we cleaned out the whole basement. We put everything in one of those pods and they took it off. And so I was like, oh, we won't, I won't need our thing, our Halloween decorations. That's fine. Whatever. And so Thanksgiving's now rolling around and I don't have that back, which really don't, I don't really have Thanksgiving decorations, but then the minute Thanksgiving's over, I put up Christmas Mm. 
And I don't, that thing ain't going to be done, y'all. So I don't have any of my Christmas decorations. So you packed up your Christmas decorations. Uh-huh. Okay, great. They're gone. And when is your date for your basement to be done? Well, I'm only going to say this because I know my son doesn't listen to the podcast. So I asked my contractor a day or two ago, I said, hey, you know, I'd really like to have a surprise birthday party for my son, 18th birthday on the 20th of December. Is that possible? And he was like, mm, no. <laughs> well, at least he's straight answer. Yeah, that's true. At least now you can come up with a. Well, he can do it at a third. He, he's like, it'll party. all be done except the bathroom. And I'm like, okay, well, that's that's cool. Um, and then he was like, but I can work weekends if you want. I'm like, no, dude, it's not that big oh, of a he's deal. He's like, I can do it during the holiday. During the holiday. Yeah, yeah, I'd like you to work on Christmas. Um, so so it, it's not done by the 20th and it's not done by Christmas. So you know what I mean? Right, could right, you, right. Um, could you not like have the surprise party in the rest of your house? Yes. I mean, I'm not worried about the party. It's really more about my Christmas decorations. Oh, I see. I see. That makes sense. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. That kid will live if he doesn't have a party. He'll have a party. I mean, shouldn't I have a party? It's I feel like you have birthday. a party either way. Because can't you have a party upstairs? Yeah, yeah, yeah. For sure. Yeah, you just won't have any, any decor. decor. I did it go, will look like a normal day at the home. No I, festivities. I know. I was in Home Depot the other day picking out my kitchen cabinets, mm-hmm. and they have these really neat... You're picking out your kitchen cabinets? For the new basement kitchen. <gasps> okay, yes. And I got these really glossy, shiny blue ones. Ooh. They're mm. pretty cool. I'll, I'll give you a pick. They're pretty neat. Because my walls are shiny blue, right? Um, but while I was sneaking in and out of Ikea, I was saw that they had their holiday stuff up and they had these really neat um, trees that were kind of... Wait, you said Ikea and Home Depot. Wait, did I follow right? Oh, Ikea. I'm sorry. Okay. okay. Ikea. Yes. And yes. Ikea. That's where the that makes more sense. That's what I thought. Yes. Okay. Yeah. Oh, Christmas so I to Ikea. I saw this. They had these cool trees that looked like those Charlie Brown trees, but big. Yeah. Right? So like... I don't know, five and a half feet tall. So you could put like five ornaments on it. Yeah. But I'm like, well, that'd be a pretty little statement for the corner of the room. And then next year when I have my stuff back, I could put it in the kitchen or something. You know what I mean? Just Mm -hmm. get that. They're $99. And they're indoor-outdoor. So you could put it outside. They're really neat. Um, So I went today at lunch and they don't have the big one anymore. (gasps) Damn it. I know. So it's frustrating when you finally settle and you're like, oh, I'll just spend a little bit over there and get it. No can do. But what they sell out of everything fast. Yeah, they do. Especially holiday stuff. Yeah. No one's, I mean, no one wants to super stock that stuff. No, they just want to be done. You're right. So how about our little Christmas trees? Yeah. Well, and because I already have some of those, of course, they're in storage. <laughs> but, that makes sense. So why buy more if you have them and they'll be out next year? But, but I was buy thinking, a live one. That's what I usually do is buy a live one, but I don't have any ornaments. So I was like, well, if I bought one that was sort of weird looking, you know, maybe that the structure of it could be kind of cool and I could just get one box of funky little ornaments and stick it on there. Yeah. Um, I think just lights on get, a tree are gorgeous, though. But yeah. you can also just get the small clutter. The small ones at the, like, get a live small tree. True. You know yes. And then get, just like, get one pack of ornaments tree. at Ikea. I wouldn't even get ornaments. I just cover just that thing all in lights. Tub, like, yeah. just... Get the lights because you'll use lights. Or you I could flock like- it. What if I flocked <gasps> it? I love a flock tree. There you go. Oh, that would yeah. be fun. And then you really wouldn't need ornaments. You could even do like pine a- cones or something. Yeah, it's true. like non. Mm-hmm. Have a minimalist Christmas. Love it. Did you ever do those um, like cranberry strands? <gasps> well, cranberries, aren't they messy? Yeah, I did popcorn. You should try it. Yeah, right. Cool. 
Anyways, you could do something like that. Yeah, where it's like like it's sort of just like adorable. a Laura Ingalls Wilder Shh. Christmas. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Like string <laughs> out some Cheetos. No gingerbread wasn't, wasn't the right route. Cheetos. Gingerbread men. That's what I picture. Twizzlers. Um, just oh whatever. It's a good late night snack. My dog would eat that tree in a heartbeat. You know what would be kind of cute? What if you did those peppermint balls with the round ones that are kind of puffy? Mm-hmm. Because you could get oh, a yeah. needle through them and they're big and they I love and the candy color of them. Um, yeah. Try it. Oh my that's gosh, I sit at cute. lunch and make that for you. Okay, you'd be so sticky by the end. <laughs> uh, yeah, you're right. But yeah. it'd be fine. It'd be fine as long as there was. <laughs> Yeah, I think just a white tree, flock tree, tree with lights on it. I'm with Taryn. I, I love a flock funny. tree. Also, okay. messy though, right? Here's one of my favorite things to do for Christmas decorations. Um, or like when we're doing our house for our party. I bu- go to Ikea and they have those big pillar candles, but they're like $4. Mm-hmm. And just I just bought like a million of them and just put them all over our mantle. Yeah. You know what? They had those kits there. I mean, it's not really really pretty, but it's like a set of five pillar candles and they're all the different sizes Mm -hmm. and and they look so good together. And they're like $8 or something. I always get those too. Um, I get real particular. So I have to have just the right size and just the right number. Oh, okay. (laughs) As you can imagine. (laughs) But, (laughs) but yes, you could do that. Do you put greenery up there? Because I have caught it on fire before. Mm -hmm. Well, the pillar candles, candles, you know, they, it burns into the center. Mm -hmm. In theory. And yet I've caught things on fire. <laughs> <laughs> okay. Well, here's the thing. Here's what you have to do. Okay. If you're burning them like over and over again mm-hmm. to where it's going to go, like the wick is going to go down really far, you have to trim the wick before you relight it or else yes. it'll burn a hole in the thing. Yes. you ha- And another candle thing that we, I think we've talked about on here, you really need to burn your candles for a good hour mm-hmm. at a time. Because if you only burn your candle for 15 it minutes, it ruins your candle. And it's not going to give you a nice even burn, especially the very first time you ever burn a pillar candle. Mm-hmm. I learned this when I bought a very expensive candle one time and I was like choking. It was so expensive. And then I opened it and it came with instructions. Mm-hmm. Like the first time you burn this candle, a make candle sure. A candle came with instructions. Yes. Well, that is a hot And it was candle. from the <laughs> oldest like candle manufacturer in Europe or something. So That's they true. knew what they were talking about. Yeah. And it said the first time you burn this, you have to burn it for at least an hour or you're going to just. You know no, how you get those expensive candles and then they. They don't burn right and they get kind of like holes in them and like it's weird. You know what I'm talking about? Mm-hmm. You're supposed to burn the first time you burn it, you have to burn it to where it's a solid. The whole top is melted. The whole top is melted. The whole top. I've never paid attention. Never. That's why you have awful candles. I have awful candles. <laughs> this is a candle intervention. Let's get back to the d- topic at hand. I like my tile. <laughs> oh, you like your tile and your your Christmas decorations are gone. Okay, yes. Oh, yeah, I guess that's sort right, of it. I'm not sure what's going on with my house. <laughs> Taryn. My trial is my child has learned to crawl. <gasps> <laughs> but the only thing he's really crawling for right now are cords. Mm, cords oh, are cords. delicious. Electrical cords. He, <laughs> he has found the motivation to move. By visually seeing a cord across the room. Mm-hmm. So I have watched him. I'm like, look at him go. And then I'm like, oh, I see what he's headed towards. <laughs> so I have had to do a lot of moving of things. Because I know you can get the covers. I've gotten all the covers for electrical sockets mm-hmm. that are unavailable. Right, right. But 
most have a cord in them. So like, you know, my lamps and around the room. Oh. Uh, yeah. So, so how do you... What do you just pick them up off the floor and tape them to a chair? What do you do? I've been shifting <laughs> furniture. So I've been kind of changing layouts in rooms just around that. So it's not my favorite like layout. Maybe not... So are you like putting rugs on top of them or furniture on top of them or what? Both. I've done both just to, I figured this is not, you know, a long-term phase. So unless he decides to always be attached to a a cord. Um, So yeah, so that's my trial has been, I've been moving stuff around. Um, And my triumph would be with a question. Um, I have been keeping my plants alive, like my herbs and everything from the summer that we all planted and mm-hmm. talked about. Well, we had a deep, we finally had a freeze here in Atlanta. And so before it froze, cause I had heard it was coming. I like brought in my like basil and my mint. And then I sat them inside on my kitchen table and I was like, well, now what do I do with you? Mm-hmm. Like what, what does one do? So try in a tr- sunny window. Yeah, yeah, but that that's even hard too. Is like to find a free yeah. window that the plant can sit in that's getting light. And so. they're just in pots. Yeah, they're just in pots. I mean, mint will come back. Just leave everyone it outside. Everyone says mint will come back. Basil, just buy another dollar ninety nine plant next year. Okay, yeah. is that what everyone does? I mean, it's like yeah, it's like really cheap Trader Joe's. Yeah, I know. I just feel like it's still alive and thriving. Well, until and it dies, cook. keep using it. I know. I just feel like if I put it back outside, it's invited well. It's sixty-seven to today. In That's true. That's I mean, it's true. such weird weather here right now. I know Freezing you can't. cold, hot. Yeah. So okay. So everyone just lets their plants die. Okay, mm-hmm. great. Depending on which ones, but like I have to bring my lemon trees in, and they just sort of get dormant and unhappy in the winter, and then I have to take them back. Where out. do you put them inside? Oh my goodness. So yeah, I had to pull them in while I was out of town, so I had to get my son to do it. So he put oddly, he put one in my bedroom, and I love it in there. Oh. It's so pretty. I'm like, why didn't I think of this? So I'm going to keep one in there. I put one out in the room where he, it's, we call it our sunroom, but it's, um, it used to probably be a green porch off the bungalow here. In, you know, in, oh, in it's a the, lot of houses the Nintendo room. Yeah, it's where he plays video games. Um, but it has windows, a lot of windows. So I usually put them out there. But remember when I was saying that I get spider mites on them? Remember I was mm-hmm. telling um, James Farmer? Mm-hmm. I don't know why, but he said to use Myers lemon soap on them like put a little bit of that with water and rub it on your leaves so y'all don't forget to do that this winter if you bring your stuff in because i did it last year and i did not get spider mites they don't stick to your leaves or whatever i guess they i don't know if you don't have any like potted plants you don't have anything big like that yeah we did have some potted plants but they all died so then i just never yeah (laughs) there you go a lot of work okay let's let's talk to chip get in all chill yay We have a very exciting guest, two guests actually. <laughs> so who do we have, Caroline? All right, we have Chip and Polly Wade. You probably know Chip from HGTV. You've pretty much been on television for the last decade, right? It kind of feels that way. <laughs> yeah, uh, looking back on it, it's been 12 years, which I'm not too old, I guess. I'm getting older, but uh, <laughs> I kind of started near the beginning. Uh, it's been an awesome ride. Hundreds and hundreds of episodes, uh, 14 different shows. Wow. Crazy. A lot of work. Yeah. A lot of work, but well, very exciting it's physical. times. Yeah. yeah, it's it's awesome. One of the, I never meant to be on television. I was a structural engineer before I started oh. and got randomly cast from an email. Weird. It's, yeah, so I didn't I, know that. people ask me how to be on television. I'm like, I don't know. Check your spam. I'm, <laughs> I'm not really sure what the methodology is. I but. actually love the story, too, of Chip. Um, 
applying for that first show and they asked him for a headshot and he said, who has a picture of themselves? Yeah, who like, is that, who who is that conceited? That? So he actually <laughs> took one of our wedding photos. We had been married like nine months at this point, and he just cropped me out of it and sent it to <laughs> him. Oh, my gosh. I mean, we knew nothing about media at all. Right. Um, so it's just it's really fun to look back. And now we have tons of pictures of Chip by himself. <laughs> no, I have more clothes than my wife. It's a, it's a, it's a down, downward spiral. Uh, no, but it was, it's, it's, been, it's been awesome. Got into it. Uh, wasn't looking to be on television. But what's great about it is that it's basically real life, but kind of in an incredibly fast-paced, crazy environment. So you get creativity, you get projects start to finish, but in hyperspeed. Mm-hmm. So we've done just over 1,500 renovations in the past 12 years. Wow. God, so you think about crazy. you know experience. I feel like the exciting part is I feel like I've gotten 25 years of experience packed into like 12 years, mm-hmm. if you can kind of imagine, just by the sheer number of projects. But every single time we're trying to push the envelope to the next level, which is just the catalyst for learning. So mm-hmm. we've messed up a whole bunch of stuff, but we figured out a lot. And it's a fun place to see projects go from start to finish all the time. How are you not ready to slow down? Like, yeah, are you exhausted? The, I'm exhausted. Um, yeah, that sounds like so much. <laughs> I think it's kind of just my personality. It is. Chip is really driven by productivity. And like you said, just to see something go from start to finish, Chip never wants to do the same thing twice. Um, it's the which is where business model that, ever. it is. That's what <laughs> we always joke. So that's why, you know, we are paired together, I guess, to, to, for me to bring a little bit more structure to our business because he thrives in this creative environment and, you know, just kind of exploring all these options. And every time there's just a unique problem to to solve. And I think that's really kind of what you maybe fuels both of us is not just getting to that end game, but what problem are we solving, you know, and how can we take our experience from the last project and do it into the next one? And I love how Chip encourages people, even like on the DIY side, is always push your skills just a little bit. Don't get in over your head, but I think it's that's kind of like our own mindset, like what's something new we can learn on this next project? And if we're constantly learning, we're constantly growing. And I think that is really... Um, motivating to both of us mm-hmm. yeah. so you guys are in business together we are how's that working Whew. <laughs> i tell you it depends on the day depends on the day yeah um how long have y'all had a business together eight years oh okay. no 10. 10 10 years we've been um, married almost 12 yes uh <laughs> some people can't do it some days i'm like can we do this uh-huh. but broadly speaking polly and i are as perfectly paired as you could ever hope for we met back at georgia tech we were both cheerleaders which Taryn's is going to be so sad because she went to tech as yeah. well. Oh, did she? Uh huh. And she took industrial design or furniture yeah. design or industrial something design. there. Oh, yeah, 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 absolutely. It's a great program over there. Um, I got suckered into being a cheerleader. I played baseball before that. She was a year ahead of me <laughs> in school. Um, but there was always, I, she was always dating. She was dating. So y'all did the, lifts together? Yeah. Like, yeah. yeah. We're Will actually do doing one, one right now. You you can, oh, yeah. absolutely. Oh, that's 100%. so good, you guys. Look at you. If y'all need there. something off the top shelf, I can just chunk her up there. We'll do it. We do our own stunts for sure. No, but um, she was always that one that I was basically looking for my version. Like, when's my polygon? I would say those words. But then one day something. <laughs> miraculously fell apart in her relationship with somebody else and uh did you kill him I, no i didn't have to, i didn't have to but um uh, it was it was swimming with the fishes it was definitely an obvious outcome if she was game for it for me so um one thing quickly led to another we got married the saturday after i graduated from college she got her master's at uga 
Um, she's uh, She was in finance. She was a CPA uh, before we started working together. Uh, but we're very, we're two sides of the coin. She does all the stuff that I'm awful at. Mm-hmm. And I <laughs> am kind of the other side of, you know, maybe what she isn't real passionate about. But uh, so in that regard, it works really well. We got three little kids. Um, we're, our business has grown so much. Uh, we're trying to get her back into a place where she can spend a little bit more time at home and not work like 100 hours a week. Mm-hmm. Um, but she's still absolutely critically pivotal to everything that we do. She oversees, she's basically the controller of, of our three businesses. So so let me ask you this. Okay, mm-hmm. you're obviously like the structure organized part of this team. Do you, do y'all collaborate a lot on the design? Because that, especially in your own house, you both yeah. live there. Like, mm-hmm. how do you, do you have free reign to do whatever you want to? Who's I in charge? Yeah, who's, who's in charge at home of design? I, well, obviously things have evolved in the last 12 <laughs> years. When we first got married, Chip has always been passionate about home design, home renovation. Um, I moved into the house he bought when he was in college and renovated. Whoa. It was a house built in 1894 and just restored beautifully. And we always kind of like people joke about the cobbler's kids never have shoes, but this is not true when it comes to chip (laughs) weight and design and projects. He was always doing something on our house. So I was kind of like, can you slow down? Mm -hmm. Stop, wait, you know, like I would get so worked up about, well, how's it going to turn out? And I think just, I mean, that was brand new. Like you said, we've done 1500 renovations now. I've seen what he's capable and how he just brings such creativity to life. It's easy for me to trust him now. And I just tell him how I want to use this space. And then he takes it and runs with it. I say, hey, you know, I really want to be able to put the kids here or whatever. I'd like a space where I can see the kids from the kitchen. So he built me this awesome playroom that's concealed by a Dutch door. Looks like cabinetry. So we kind of have this, this trust factor that, you know, didn't come like right away, but proven himself. And there's nobody more experienced, nobody more creative than Chip. So in terms of projects at our house it's just sometimes I have to tell them to like take a break <laughs> that's about the only conflict we have with pretty home projects yeah wow. I feel like that's the this is like the opposite scenario from most of our listeners and most of the people that write in yeah but most he does time, have two leather sofas let's talk about true. that because we always talk about how men bring a leather sofa to the marriage and Why what do we do with love it leather well, you probably want to throw away the one you bring to the marriage and go buy a new one that's probably <laughs> what happens um <laughs> For a lot of different reasons, <laughs> right? <laughs> Which we'll cover in another segment. Right, um, that's a different podcast. <laughs> yeah, I mean, I think in general, you know, men are bold when it comes to you know you wanting those. Uh, you don't want it to not be comfortable. I think there's right. a synonymous High flavor priority. with with comfort and masculinity. But I'm a huge advocate of tailored comfort. Things can look beautiful and be great at the same time. But that goes. Uh, kind of transcends beyond just like specific furnishings too. I'm a huge advocate of uh, of purposefulness and why we're creating. I really believe, and this rubs a lot of people the wrong way when I say it every time, but it's not the heart behind it. Making something look good, I absolutely believe is the easiest part because there's a lot of talent out there that can do it. Mm-hmm. Uh, there's a lot of resources. It's what gets the attention there's amazing brands like Ballard that is out here creating amazing looks that you can transform things quickly and it's gratifying. The harder part, which I actually believe is 80% of the challenge, I believe aesthetics is about 20%, but this first 80% is what I feel like most people skip over. 
the challenge with a lot of folks in this industry is just because you can you like you like maybe to pick out uh, aesthetic items, you call yourself a designer. Mm-hmm. I mean, ultimately, I feel like it's a big disservice to customers, you know, because they, oh, you're a designer. Okay. Then by default, you know how to do X, Y, Z. Right. Right. So I think knowing where, you know, that what is involved in that first 80% of a project that really is impactful to the final end game is not something that I knew right out of the gate. So is that 80% functionality or what? You never really said the word. So it's a combination of functionality Uh and personality. Okay. Um, There's a lot to it though. Uh, Probably the biggest thing that I bring to our architecture and design business is spatial planning and engineering outlook. Mm -hmm. So this is really where I bring back, this is where what I feel like I own in our organization. There are are some of our stylists and designers, can they make a prettier room than me? Yeah, probably. I don't know. Like, I mean, I never (laughs) claim to be the best designer that's ever lived. That's absolutely, I know I'm not. What I focus on and what is key for WadeWorks in our organization is we not may not be the best at everything, but we know what is great, and we don't stop until we get there. Uh, we've gotten better at getting there faster. Um, so I think understanding what the canvas is, and by mm-hmm. what, what I what I describe as the canvas is, you may have two different identical homes, one of which has a professional come in, they look at it, they can their their vision is ambitious and you know somewhat informed. But if you're not starting with the canvas with the maximum capacity to create the best for that money, you may be overlooking something you didn't even know was possible. And that's what I feel like is the biggest challenge in the industry right now as it come, when it comes to renovation specifically, is people not necessarily even knowing that there's something better. Mm-hmm. So that's one of the most exciting things we get to do uh, together, uh, me and Polly and the rest of our team is to see people's eyes absolutely light up and they have like these moments of like, holy cow, like I had no idea I could get this for the same price as this. Mm -hmm. Uh, And if you never experience that, then you just never know. Mm -hmm. Well, But how do people do that if they can't hire you? Because like you might not be in my area or... Maybe I can't afford it. Or or maybe they're trying to interview people to partner with designers or a firm or something. How do they ask the right questions? So we have set up our business in a way that I feel like is it's a good practice for a process for anyone to take part in, whether that you want to work with me or someone else. It's inconsequential. The process and the outcome is what we desire for everyone, mm-hmm. regardless of who you work with. The idea is if you have proficiencies in architectural vision, in structural analysis, in financial responsibility, in vision casting, in pure creativity of concept, all of these things I believe are necessary in ultimately finding the best outcome, but it's very rare to find all of these things in one place. Mm -hmm. So imagine a more tangible example. You have your real estate agent who, real estate agents, we have a real estate brokerage as well, and a lot of times real estate agents get bad press for a good reason because they try to act like they're God's gift to everything, right? They're <laughs> well, aren't per- they? Yeah, no, no, they're not. <laughs> no, no, like they're the perfect, you know, pricing analyst. You know, they know exactly how to stage. They know exactly what your house should be worth. They know exact all. No, you don't. First of all, there's going to, you can't be that good at everything. Right. You know, you're, you're, you're 24, you know what I'm saying? You know? Yeah. I mean, so anyways, um, 
I think the idea is having a sober perspective of what you are great at, what you're mm-hmm. skilled at, and then filling in the gaps with what you don't have. Mm-hmm. So it's not just me. I, we have a team of, we have, uh, like I said, a CPA, an accountant on the team at your client's disposal. Imagine you have that. You have somebody that can talk to you about your budget forecasting. You have someone that knows exactly what a concept, once it's ideated, should cost in the marketplace, what that does to your value, right? The projection of how long it should uh, take, but then ultimately, is this the right direction and maximize value for what you're trying to spend? Imagine if you had to get all those answers from your real estate agent and then go talk to your general contractor and then go talk to your financial advisor and then a designer that you don't necessarily like so you talk to your mom or your sister or whoever it is that you trust. By the time you circle back to the, like it's been two months and stuff has changed and you just stay in this endless cycle of confusion and lack of confidence. And that lack of confidence is really the piece that we're trying to transition in the marketplace is giving homeowners all the information to make an educated purchasing decision, whether that's a new house, whether it's renovation, whether it's selling, doesn't matter. We surround you with all of that information so that you can make that choice. So back to the like spatial planning, because I feel like that is where like almost every question we get, people will write in and, and you know tell us what they're struggling with and we, we try to help. We'll, we'll do that at the end of this episode. Get ready. Almost <laughs> every single one of them, it is a layout problem. Mm-hmm. So since that's sort of your area of expertise, like how, I mean, obviously you can't give us advice to help every single person. Like it depends on your space, but how does someone go about investing the time to, you know, cause you were saying that like the aesthetics are the last 20%. So I imagine that 80% that's planning, shopping around, making sure that what you're actually buying is going to be the most functional, maybe doing some small renovations to the room to make it work the best that it can. It's like that time investment to make, you know what I mean? Like the, before you actually buy, am I making sense? No, what's your question? (laughs) No, I I know what you're saying. Um, And maybe I can start, you can finish this is Chip is a huge advocate in a master plan. And I don't think that we're taking enough time. Chip does all these presentations and he's kind of been known to say like his favorite question is what if we're not spending enough time in this what if like in exploring all those options you know is this a low bearing wall like well at the end of the day does it really matter like there is a solution if there is a low bearing wall is it the responsible decision maybe not it might be too cost prohibitive but just closing yourself off and not exploring the options giving yourself the time one of the first thing chip does when he interviews design clients is Take note of the things that you don't like in your house. Start mm-hmm. that list. Start that so you really can understand. And we can help identify what I feel like we're really great is solving lifestyle issues. We are creating this, mm-hmm. this environment that is tailored to the lifestyle you want to have. So yeah. whether that's an open concept or it's it, it's creatively thinking through possibilities to achieve ultimately where you want to get. So it's, it's as much as us going out and digging out the information from our clients that, you know, from their own imagination that they just don't let out, right? You yeah. know, it's like, well, I'm not a creative person. I say that all the time and I get pushback from our team. They're like, you're super creative, you know, like and, and, in just different ways. And when you have somebody who has a skill set in design that can help you pull out those things that really matter to you or this like vision of what if and I want to be able to ha- be able to open up my back windows or I want to be able to do this. And they you, you have somebody with the experience that says, 
that's doable. That's possible. It just opens up this option and you don't just start down this path like I want a new kitchen. Well, what is yeah. it that bothers you about your kitchen? Right. Yeah. We're not spending enough time evaluating the things that are tripping us up before we just jump in, call in a, a GC to come, quote us a way to update our kitchen, you right. know, and right. does this fit with my budget or not? Is that That's really going to solve the yeah. challenge for you that That's you what have? Happens. That's what happens. You get a amount of money. Maybe you get a bonus or you have something saved. You've got some, if you're, this is kind of the DIY realm. People say, oh, you know what? I've got this free weekend. I got the materials out in the garage. Doggone it. I'm going to knock this thing out, you know, with zero plan. Mm -hmm. You know, you get, that's when 90% of the time, that's when you get messed up. Um, I think the bigger thing though, is it's the lack of confidence. Once you, you, you get stalemated in your process. Cause even, and this is a, pro, a, a problem with retail and e-commerce and all of these things right now is that people look at something and they may like it, but they have such self-doubt that they're, maybe they think, well, who the heck am I? Like, is I like it, but what does that mean? Like, mm -hmm. do I have good taste? Mm -hmm. Am I gonna be embarrassed if I buy something that I like and put it in my house? Because it, maybe it's not good. So that curated kind of confidence within the, the purchasing decision is another huge thing we can get into, which is another whole aspect of what we do on a production side of things. Uh, but I think the, the bigger piece for just the average listener who wants to better their home is that I think we are getting blindsided a little bit by the way that we gather inspiration. Uh, we do, like I said, I produce our television shows. We produce content for for all kinds of mega brands in the home and lifestyle category. Still photography, we do room scene creation. We create cover shoots for magazines and photo styling is not real life. It's not. <laughs> no, right. no. It is yeah, not, neither not. is television, <laughs> right? You have to watch HGTV, DIY, any lifestyle, it's, I'm not picking on those. Any lifestyle program, you have to look at the front page of Architectural Digest, Better Homes and Gardens. I'm not calling anybody out individually. You have to look at it like a Pinterest board. That is it. If you are trying to gather budget information, process information from a 22-minute entertainment show on a renovation network, then you're just misguided. And this is coming from someone who is ultra passionate about showing exactly what needs to be done. We're not trying to mislead anybody, but there's only so... You guys right. like entertainment? Guess what? That's what the programming has gone to. It's yeah. entertainment. It's sure. not... It's, it's not a tutorial. That's right. right. So you have to... You have to understand you can't renovate a bathroom for $2,500 just because it's it shouldn't be that way on television, but it, but it is. So looking at inspiration imagery, you see all of these things just because it's on the front page of national editorial does not mean that that space will function correctly. Mm -hmm. You mm -hmm. wrongly assume that, oh man, this is like the design magazine, right? This is beautiful. Look at that couch and those side tables. Like... It's inconsequential to real to that 80%. This is eye candy. It's really what it is. It's aspirational and it's inspirational. But you can't take that and try to force it into your architecture. That is the biggest disconnect. When you do that, you're operating in the last 20%. And at best case scenario, you're going to get lucky and have a space that looks beautiful. Mm -hmm. But it is of no guarantee that it's going to work. Yeah, which, right. in my opinion, is kind of the big loss when it comes to design and what gives people kind of like this, uh, is it worth investing in? Yes, it is, but you've got to do it right. Yeah. Mm -hmm. I think that is 
like the planning aspect because here's the other you're saying like someone sees a couch and they're like well i don't i like this but i don't know if i should buy it i feel like the other thing they do is they buy it without uh, measuring they don't oh, yeah. do the research they don't know what is the stuffing like how Stop big is talking it talking about me <laughs> Karen totally knows that she's guilty of this. She never measures. Yeah, knee jerk when it comes to purchasing. I just don't measure. <laughs> she goes into our outlet and, and buys a deal. Take it home, and then I'm like, oh, it doesn't fit. So then you I find another place alone. for it. Don't be Karen, guys. <laughs> How many houses have I been in where they're like, you know what? I don't know exactly what I want to do. That's why we called you, but I just bought this $7,000 couch, so we got to use it. Yeah, right. I'm like, Okay, wow, like, let's come back to earth for a second. And a lot of times this is another kind of nice touch for, uh, I talk to clients about all the time, is sometimes you may have just done something. I was in a consultation two days ago where they just renovated part of their kitchen. And it is so alien to look at somebody and say, you know what, in the grand scheme of things, after all the dust is settled, it's still going to be better to rip out part of what you just did for the greater good of the final product it is just like a mental, it, it is not mm-hmm. logical. But that's where somebody that can come in that isn't <laughs> connected to it can come in and really help you penetrate through those walls and those barriers yeah. of, uh, of preconceived ideation of what should be done uh, and just blast through it to ultimately get to the right end game. Because that right end game is planned out, it's methodical, it's fiscally responsible, and ultimately should be beautiful because yeah. that's the well, easy And so part. I'll circle back around like that's where the master plan is, you know, yeah. and it's a phased approach, you know, that X relates to Y, then you get to Z, you know, you finally get there, but you don't have to consume it all at once. You don't have right. to spend it all right. at once, but you know that when you're doing this kitchen, you're not going to have to go back and rip something out when you're ready to do the living room or to do your master bedroom or right. something like that. It's so critical to think through the entire plan. Yeah. I um, Two things. I think one of the things you're talking about is people are very emotionally attached and it's hard to make rational decisions when you're emotionally attached to someone. When my husband and I will discuss things in to the someone? house. someone? Or something. Mm-hmm. You said when you're emotionally attached to someone. Oh, something. <laughs> you're like, home. Wait, you know, we're all what? emotionally attached to our couch home. has a name. <laughs> yes, it does. Susie. <laughs> no, just kidding. No, I, I relate to that totally. Being in the real estate as seat. a real estate brokerage, buying and selling homes are emotional transactions. Oh, sure. Lord. Totally emotionally driven. People do not operate the same way when buying and selling cars. It's, I mean, that is people, your home ultimately is a reflection of who you are mm-hmm. and, and the value we place on that is great. So you have to, there, there's, I love the dynamic that Chip and I can have because we can kind of be good guy, bad guy and say like, I relate to this and that, but from a standpoint of actual value, like where an appraiser might be coming from, it only creates this much value for you. So like, Yes, your house is great, but uh, you know it may not be producing the financial value you think it should. Right? Yeah. You know. Right. But I'm very matter of fact. I'm not the I'm not the best one with the shoulder to cry on. I'll come in and say exactly what I think needs mm-hmm. to be done because that's what you bring me in for. What is the most brutal thing you've ever said or Ooh, suggestion burn you've this made house down. to a client? <sighs> hmm. Is there anything that you were like, Have you I made really don't cry? want to tell you this, but... I don't think on purpose. Um, oh, no, I think not, once the, not in a once mean the way, reality but... of the full situation sets in, it's le- it's we always end in progress. It's more of the realization of what has happened in the past yeah. that sometimes takes a second to fully let it wash over you, meaning you may have spent a tremendous amount of money on something and then changed it again or did it wrong mm-hmm. and then changed it again. And if you'd just known... 
right? I had, was on the phone earlier today with a client where lived down in uh, uh, kind of north perimeter of Atlanta and beautiful, beautiful home. We've had to go through this ridiculous process of uh, of variance permitting and all this type of stuff to oh, try to God. pack in what they want in their backyard. And I was, and they're like, now knowing what we know now, we still want to pull. Now we're just going to go look at another spot. And I was like, well, you, you know, let's now that we've met, you know, we should go and before you go make an offer on a house, right, let's go together. <laughs> let's go together, and and we can help you vet the property entirely, and all these unknowns become knowns before you make an offer on the house. Right. And they're like, wow, wouldn't that have been great right. before we went Brilliant. through all this freaking debacle? Mm-hmm, right. Yeah. So the fact that this exists, we want to be exciting to people. And whether it's us, I I want other people to do the same thing all over the place. Mm-hmm. The beauty, though, is that you do not necessarily have to be five minutes down the road from someone that does this. Mm-hmm. Uh, about 70% of our clients aren't even in the Southeast. Mm-hmm. Our process is completely virtual. And again, oh, wow. this is not, I want to tell everybody that's listening, this is not a, hey, I'll call me, work with me. We'd be happy to, but look for this type of service wherever you are. Mm-hmm. Um, what we do that is very successful now is before we, we start out every relationship with an initial consultation, we do not give away a free consultation because you absolutely get what you pay for in that regard. We charge $1,000 to show up for three hours. That's virtual or in person. But what we do before we get there is we send out a team to completely measure your house. Mm-hmm. We build it in 3D. And so if you're not even near where we are, arguably, the first time I talk to you on a screen share, I have your house built in 3D and I start lifetime designing in front of your face, which arguably I have more information on my computer screen than I would if I was standing in your living room without all the measurements already taken. Mm-hmm. It's super efficient. I have everything that I need. We go immediately into that process of cultivating all the different options, exhausting every opportunity until we narrow focus on the best possible vision. From there, we can then start talking about what the right way and how much it would actually cost to design it. But everything is within the the, the realm of, um, uh, of your budget and all of those things. So again, that type of approach is what I think everybody should be look find that. Well, how do you tap into what you guys were saying earlier, which is figuring out how people want to live their lives, how they want to use that space, you know, without because if they say, "Oh, I want a pretty kitchen," yeah, like you know, are there questions that you ask every ab- client? Absolutely, they're all they're all a little different. Typically, women can be stereotyped down after this, um, you know, whole process to about five adjectives. That's typically where I get them down to. Men are about two. <laughs> right. I bet I can guess the two. So, and comfortable. again, these comfortable, adjectives, functional. Yeah, these adjectives though are all you might think. I mean, for broadly, there there are some stereotypes, but they are all completely different, completely different. And some things are going to rise to the top that you may have no idea that would actually rise to the top. Like there's, I use an example a lot of times with this one lady. Actually, the fact that she loved to bake was ended up being so critically pivotal in everything that we did with the design. Mm. that it was more important than so many other things that mm-hmm. be, that again i know bake is not an adjective but it is <laughs> but we mm-hmm. it it starts to craft the concept of what is most important and what drives the overall decisions of everything so one of the exercises that i tell people to do uh so a master bedroom design for example i'll kind of preface this with i think master bedroom design in general is done completely wrong with spec-built houses, custom-built houses, 
people renovating their space, I think they do it wrong. Why? Because when you walk into a master, let's talk about master suite, because you know whether it's big, small, what is the first room in that master suite, whether it be bedroom, closet, bathroom, sitting room, that you walk into uh, straight off your off the hallway or that entry vestibule? What it is it? It should be the bedroom. Well, it usually is the bedroom. It usually is the bedroom, but, but should it be right, the Right, because you want quiet mm. and... Well, think about this My for a space. second, right? All right, so I asked. So, so this is a, another thing. It's a commonality. If you closed your eyes and you said, "I'm going to describe my most absolute beautiful version of a master bedroom that could ever be," say, I gave you $150,000 to do a master bedroom suite. That should be enough. <laughs> All right. should, it should be enough. If we I'm sleeping yeah. on like gold, <laughs> yeah, what thread it, sheets but here. But what, what does it look like? <laughs> Talk about the bedroom. What does it look like? Is it big? Is it small? Is it high ceilings? I have to just say your eyes are closed. I know, I'm just- He's channeling. Yes, yeah, I mean- the, Chip's channeling. But, You're in the zone. But you think about this. When I talk to thousands of people, they give me pretty much the same answer. They say, it's a Serene. beautiful, spacious bedroom. There's two fireplaces in it. There's windows from floor what? to ceiling. I'm not you know, it's just like, it's like, okay, well, while that's great, if you put an actual function next to all of those things, None of it makes a bit of sense, but it makes for an absolutely amazing magazine cover. Right, pretty photo yeah. shoot. <laughs> Beautiful photo shoot, which I make. I'm not knocking it, but I'm saying you have to look at that like a Pinterest board. Mm -hmm. I need it's, a chair to throw my clothes on right. every night. So this is how <laughs> you figure out how what works and what doesn't. Use me and Polly as a great example. I'm more of a morning person. She's more of a night person. If I hit the pillow, I'm out, right? But I get up in the morning. I just built a house five years ago, could have done whatever I wanted. What did I do? I made a master bedroom suite that has been in awesome magazines and people have probably copied it all over the place. It's I'm part of the problem, mm -hmm. right? <laughs> yeah. So what's happened is now I wake up in the morning and out of respect, because we don't have the same schedule, Polly's still in the bed. Well, what do I do as a loving husband? I get quiet, right? I keep the lights. So I'm brushing my teeth, getting ready with the lights off. What luxury is that? You it's, don't have a door to your bathroom? I do. It's this massive, huge, beautiful barn door that's 10 feet tall that, <laughs> oh, that freaking wakes her up. Ah. Right. So what do I do? Right. What is that unfortunate? No, it's bad design. Mm -hmm. That's what it is. Yeah, it looks beautiful, but doesn't function. Exactly. Right. Mm -hmm. So when I come in at night, maybe Polly and the kids are already kind of getting ready for bed. I came back from a late meeting. I got my jacket, my shoes. I'm lazy at this point. Where do they go? Right there on the floor. Right, I'm on not. I'm, well, I'm not walking forty the, foot through the dark to the that closet. That's bench way the at heck. the end of the bed. Throw it on the bench. Well, okay, same difference. Okay, same difference. <laughs> that creates more problems tomorrow. Mm -hmm. And what? So this was the really awful roundabout way of saying, go through life for a week. What is the things that you argue about that ends up being frustrating? For me, things are I can't stand it when the shoes are left out. Like I'm much more of like a neat freak. Well, why is that? It's because when I come in and I put it down, I'm tempted to do that rather than putting them where they go. Why is the laundry over here? And I have I hate having to take all the kids' stuff from one side of the house to the other. Mm -hmm. Something in the moment doesn't trigger, oh, this could be better design. Mm -hmm. It triggers in your mind as, this is a pain in the butt. Right. Right? Or this is causing me and my wife or me and my husband. Or, so, or my mom criticizes this about this all the time. Those are the things, write those down. Mm -hmm. Take note. Those yeah. mm -hmm. always lead to a design that is a solution. Yeah. And that those are the simple things. You don't actually need a highbrow designer. To, you are the most informed person to make that list. Mm -hmm. That is the gold 
that informs that first 80% of what we do. Mm. So yeah. those are, that, that, it's just a real simple thing to do. If something trips you up, something makes you mad, something annoys you, those are the nuggets. That I feel like is such good advice. Just to like, one of our, one a design partner we work with, Miles Red, his, one of his partners in his business named David Kaihai. And he was in El Decor recently and he was talking about their bedside tables. And he was saying that, he and his wife were trying to figure out how, like, what to do as the bedside tables. Like, do they need storage? And then they both decided, like, you know what? We're going to try to not do any bedside tables except for, like, one – it's, like, one column that's, like, itty-bitty mm-hmm. and then, like, a chair. Because they like, just fill it up they with get, junk. Yeah, they, they get said, cluttered. We just fill it up with and junk. And so they're, like, if we give ourselves the opportunity to make a mess, then you will. And then you'll be annoyed. But if you, like, kind of – remove that like because i i agree about the about the bedrooms like i feel like people love a huge master suite now and i just walk in and i'm like this is like asking for my laundry to be everywhere everywhere you've got to buy all this furniture to fill it and then like what are you doing what are you gonna do by yourself private room like if you're having dinner yeah, parties in your bedroom, people. I design more space. So I didn't really circle or land the plane on. <laughs> what, so what is a good master bedroom? You know, I now refer things to things in different terms. I don't call it a bedroom anymore. I call it a sleeping room. A sleeping room, if you've ever been to a super nice resort where the bedroom is scale, where the bed is, the room where the bed is, where you sleep, is a little bit cozier, can get a little bit darker. You feel less exposed. Oftentimes you sleep fantastic Mm -hmm. and it's controlled and it's big enough. Like a little nest. That's right. So Mm -hmm. there is methodology behind there. Imagine what it could be like if you could get up, have the lights on, have music on, have visuals, all this stuff, be able to look in full height mirrors that are 15 feet away with natural light pouring on your face in the morning. Like that's not heaven. That's just good design, Mm -hmm. right? So there's the opportunity of creating that within the same square footage if you don't waste it on the perception of what you believe to be the only option because it's what's on the cover of most magazines. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So the issue coming back to that's what happens in the 80%. Remember, don't think that that direction will eliminate your opportunity to make a beautiful aspirational space. Mm-hmm. It just is going to be more creative, mm-hmm. which ultimately our clients are always happier with that solution Versus the cookie cutter, well, it better look good because it looks like everybody else's thing. With a big master bedroom, the side tables, eclectic lighting, expensive drapery, super tall windows that you get annoyed because they're spider webs that you can't clean off all the time. (laughs) The fireplace that you never use, extra furniture you never sit in, Mm -hmm. and it's super expensive. And to change all that is an act of God, Mm -hmm. right? So you have to clean it. There's a better way. There's absolutely a better way. And that's just the master bedroom. There are the same methodology in outdoor living, mm-hmm. kitchen combos, um, storage solutions as it uh, in transitional spaces. Uh, we most liken those to the, the traditional mudroom or butler's pantry type areas. There are massive, awesome, non-stereotypical solutions that are life-changing, uh, but they're driven by individuals. My benchmark for a great design is somebody that roughly knows you can walk into your house without talking to you after renovation and know specifically it was made for you in particular without having to say anything. That is where the pride comes from the homeowner. That's what we all actually want. Let me ask you this. Is there some like house trope 
that you feel like is useless. Like, okay, you're talking about like, I feel like everyone has a, everyone's got to have a mud room now. Everyone's got to have the gorgeous laundry room. Open plan. Open floor plan. I'm not saying any of those are bad things, but is there anything that you see all the time and you're like, why is this a thing? Well, a pretty mud room is a guise of all of our, our, our um, aspirational imaginations. If you use it, it doesn't. It's not going to look right. good. Having an open concept, or what I call consumer facing, a consumer facing mudroom, is for the single individual with no children. That is. <laughs> it's for the photo shoot. It's for the photo shoot. <laughs> it is. So that's something like take the pressure off. Like maybe back burner that one for reality. Um, I think the big, the big massive master, the the place where the bed is, the room, the bedroom itself, that's massive and grandiose, and there's a better way. So I think that that's kind of a farce uh, in actual design. Um, sprawling landscape design is another one of those. Uh, I actually I do eighty percent interiors, but I love landscape design. That's where I I, I <laughs> just love it. Um, People think using every inch of their property is, you know, what they should be doing. Designing more compact, higher quality outdoor living spaces are 100% more successful every single time. Mm-hmm. So people want to spread everything out and it's about consolidation. It really is Get, providing more buffer, not less, not pushing you to the extents, mm-hmm. creating margin in your landscape. Mm-hmm. Um, that's a big deal. Um, also, feeling like your best case scenario from a budget standpoint, is spending every ounce of what you can. I think that this is more of a people are like, well, yeah, I would prefer not to spend everything, but I'm not going to be able to really get what I want without spending everything. Right. Or I'll just make it bigger because it's only nominally more expensive That's right. to just maximize the square footage. I'm That's like, right. Oh, please stop. <laughs> yeah. Does it need to be four floors? That's right. That's right. Uh, I mean, we're seeing drop. This is, I mean, from the real estate mm-hmm. side, this is the first, 2017 was the first year where we actually saw average home square footage size start to drop. Good. This is mm-hmm. great. This is, I'm hundred yeah. percent. Okay. I can design a house at 2,800, 2,900 square feet that lives better than a 5,000, 6,000 square foot house mm-hmm. that's that's made for show mm-hmm. any day. I mean, mm-hmm. and that's a real, real, real pricing. Kitchen design, cabinetry quantities. Uh, another little nugget uh, that I tell people when you're doing a kitchen renovation, you will find that if you take everything out of your cabinets, I'm talking everything on a weekend, your pots, your pans, your dishes, everything out of the pantry, put it in the room to the to the to, to the right of the of the kitchen. You lay it out, you're going to find that about 10% is just trash that you didn't even realize existed in there. <laughs> There's another 10% that's duplicate and another 10% that's just consolidated with simple storage solutions. Well, what that equal, equates to is 30% of cubic footage that you do not have to buy cabinets for in your kitchen. Mm-hmm. Now, you're like, oh, well, that's not that big a deal. Go get some cabinets quoted. Yeah, they're expensive. And then yeah. multiply that by 70%. Mm-hmm. You're going to like that number a lot better. Mm-hmm. A lot of times this is in the form of eliminating extra upper cabinets. Huge, huge deal. A lot of these little, little things amount to massive margin. And that margin mm-hmm. is what gives us the joy in everything that we do. Margin in our space, margin in our finances. We're big, big advocates of taking that pressure off of going to the nth degree and still creating something amazing. It's always better results once the dust settles. I feel like everything you're saying is making my little small house 
like that is this is like bringing joy to my heart like I totally agree <laughs> I live my that. house is a thousand square feet so it's like I mean that's on the extreme side but but I also like we live in it so well that's right and it's just I mean it's not gonna last forever obviously but it's a good lesson in like what you really Less is need. Mm-hmm. There's you know? so much you could do do there. Our yeah. house that we moved in mm-hmm. that was just minutes away from where we're sitting right now was only like 1,300 square feet or so. And we brought two babies home there. Two brought two babies and we had babies living under the stairs and we everything and before it was finally just like, okay. You had okay. Harry Potter? It was, it was, it was, it was close. <laughs> I had a whole sleeping closet up underneath the It worked great. It did. It was, if, the thing is, is like, if you look at the function of like what it would be great for, um, it's, I mean, a place where you can secure without it being elevated. It's safer. It's it's awesome. I mean, there mm-hmm. and it's kind of, you can do some really, really fun things with it. So if you take away the stereotypical expectation of what we see and how we gather information and inspiration, it makes the process a lot easier. I mean, I think that's really one of the things we are fighting is that fear. Like, well, I love that idea, but, but I mean, is that but normal? am I going to be able to sell my house that doesn't have this... Like oh, stereotypical mm-hmm. big bedroom, double vanities, you know, you walk-in know, like, closets. And I think that's true. we we found you know we we're with some buyers the other day, and we're like, well, if this appeals to you, you it's gonna that, appeal to somebody yeah, else. You're you are that, that person. person yeah. You know, you are public. I think we're just yeah. we let our fears hold us back, mm-hmm. and then also so like really thinking about really spending the time in that what if like don't just close your mind off to it like well i can't do that because nobody else is doing that and that's that i'll never get my value out of that like but spend a minute there like how long are you going to be in the house how much value are you going to get how how is this going to revolutionize the way you live every single day for 10 Mm -hmm. years you know and who are we to predict how we're going to be living in 10 years from right. now yeah. anyways and you know ups and downs and all those things so like spend that time imagining like yeah. what yeah. if what if i could have this really cool like quaint sleeping space but this luxurious bathroom that just holds all my clothes i'll i'll say the one thing we did do right with our own master suite is that we brought all the laundry right into our closet my clothes never leave my closet. So dirty clothes are never, I'm not having to walk, you know, my dirties through my house, drop, you know, socks or something that, you know, a dog can pick up and run off with, you know, it's And nobody's it's kids do there, the laundry. You know? No. <laughs> Come on. No. <laughs> so I, I think that, you know, just spending that time in and, you know, saying, let's explore this option. Like what the, what could this be like daydream mm-hmm. and, and don't discount just because it hasn't been done before. Right. Yeah. There are solutions beyond the shelf at the big box stores. Mm-hmm. And sometimes they're not even more expensive. Like I, we had a bathroom cabinet built for our, our teeny little bathroom. And I mean, it was probably $1,000 to have it custom built where I could, it was exactly the depth I needed, exactly the width. I could put a plug in the drawer to have my hair dryer plugged in all the time and the cords are gone. Like if I had actually bought a cabinet, it would have been the same price. So I feel mm-hmm. like people think like, oh, custom means expensive, but it, it doesn't necessarily, you know? I agree. I mean, when it comes to purchasing furniture, I mean, this is the industry we're, we're all in. We'll talk a little bit. I mean, I'm, try, I'm getting into that a little bit myself. Um, I've got a history of creating one-off, like super crazy custom solutions for a particular homeowner that is just very, very specific. When I give advice on when should you make something yourself versus buy it is if you make something yourself 
it better not look like you bought it from the store. Mm-hmm. Because the way that it, I mean, if it looks like what you can buy from the store and acts like functionally what you can buy from the store, it's probably going to be less expensive just to buy it from the store. Right. But if you do, if, one of the benchmarks is if you, if there is something that frustrates you, again, this frustration thing is a tool more than it is something that's a bad thing. When you go to, uh, say you're a, a newlywed, right? You just, everything got purchased off your registry, but you need to go buy a new bedroom suit. And holy cow, you went to 10 furniture stores and realized, <laughs> doggone it, this stuff is ridiculously expensive. You know, I wasn't thinking I was going to be paying $9,000 for a bedroom suit. And you, and immediately in your mind, it goes to a negative place. It says, man, if I could only, if I only had this much money, or if this was just cheaper, I can't get what I want for the money. This is frustrating. This is the light bulb this could be the exact thing that needs to be uh, a custom element. Uh, I make custom furniture all the time, but don't just make it a bedroom suit. Make that bed do something else. You mentioned side tables. You mentioned all these other things. There's ways of consolidation, making storage within these solutions that eliminate the need for your side tables to have to have drawers and other things, right? Mm -hmm. Moving clothes into the closet versus having a la carte dressers and everything. These are huge expenses that can be consolidated by a custom element that can do more than one thing. I'm a huge advocate of multi-purpose, whether it's little spaces or massive spaces. Mm -hmm. What's a DIY project that you did and then you were like this was a bad idea i should not have done this oh man i you could probably answer this one better than me i just i i'm so i love doing stuff myself oh, the only so when you that that house i mentioned the 1894 house the only thing we ever regretted doing the countertops of that oh old that's house. a great one <laughs> oh you want to tell it or you you could probably do better i'm gonna i'm gonna lie to make it not sound so bad um, <laughs> no <laughs> Good. We put, I mean, it, it was our first house. We had no money. You know, we were looking you for- You were in college. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You're, you're a so sophomore ne- ne- Maybe college. negative money, yes. right? So we just bought a house. <laughs> I was renting, like renting out rooms to roommates to try to, you know, that mm-hmm. whole bit. So I was renovating the kitchen. What I want, what, what did I want? I mean, obviously having nice, beautiful, solid surface countertops is what everybody, you know, typically desires. That wasn't in the cards, right? So what did I do? Oh, this slate tile that I found, you know, is super cheap. Look at this. It's like- $2 a square foot on clearance at floor and decor, you know what I'm saying? Like, mm-hmm. let's roll, you know? Oh. So I got this red slate and it's like, if you have grout lines on your countertops, yeah, Not you good. just, you need to back up. Also, you, you, you have questionable slate, judgment. like porous? Oh yeah, you have to, had to seal so it. You had to seal it. But, but a lot of countertop material is porous. Uh-huh. Even Marble. granite is porous. People don't realize that. You should be mm-hmm. sealing your granite like every three months. If you're not, I mean... You're just oblivious, but yeah, you need to be doing that stuff. Mm-hmm. Uh, but but slate is soft, irregular, and extremely <laughs> porous. Like if you put like a pros and cons list for countertops, it's cons all the way yeah, down. Yeah, I was there. gonna say so I don't even it. think there's like a good aspect. Like cheap. The, that was the only, it was cheap. It was cheap, and pro. it was something that you could do yourself. Which again, I think people can relate to. Mm-hmm. You know, yeah. when pushed to the wall, if all else fails and, you know, you don't see a superior option, is it cheap and can I do it myself? That's likely the one you're going to pick, right. but it could be a good 
a, a nice mistake, and we certainly made those. Over the so, years. and maybe just even not something we've done, but w- what I hear Chip giving people advice: if you can't finish it in a weekend, don't do it. Like, oh, don't DIY it. Really? Like, because that's, that's where the projects just spiral out of control. And never you, end. You, your job is something else, nine to five. Well, if you're just going to get into this downward spiral mm-hmm. of taking too long, costing more money, all this stuff. If you can't start and finish that project in a weekend, don't do it. That's I have good a girlfriend advice. whose husband is very handy, but he's a lawyer and he works all the time, mm-hmm. travels all the time, works all the time, but he won't let her get anyone to come do things at the house because he's like, well, I can do that. I'm like, but that's not, like you said, it's not your job. Your job is to go be a lawyer and make money so I can hire a handyman to come fix this because things will sit around the house for like four years. They had like this balance in their bathroom. You remember those like 80s balances? Mm-hmm. She had one of those like over her tub and it was broken and it hung down for like four years. I'm like, that would make me insane. She's like, well, Steve Whitehead won't let me <laughs> call and get it because he says he can do it. I'm like, okay. yet he doesn't. Here's your <laughs> here's your friend's argument for her husband. Okay, I'm going to assume that if he's some high-powered lawyer, he probably charges like $300 an hour. But he wouldn't pay $300 an hour for it, I guarantee you. Right, but no, what I was going to say is if he can find a handyman that'll come for, for less, like, money, he's saving less money. than $150 an hour, like come fix it for 50 bucks, then that is money well spent that he didn't yeah. have to spend. Like, but yeah. it's not about, it's pride. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's, all yeah, it is. that's true. And engineers, I'm an engineer, I can, talk, I can crank on us. We're the worst, and then overzealous <laughs> handymen. They're the other. They're the other half, and that's the one. Those are the folks where I come in, and I have to talk very matter of factly too. I'm like, well, I'm I, I am one of these people, and we suck, and so you need to back off and like think rationally. Put Your down wife the hammer. is absolutely right. Exactly. <laughs> okay, so that's good. That was that sort of unintentionally answered one of my other questions, which is when shouldn't you hire, or when should you hire a professional and yeah. not DIY it? So okay, if so, that's rule number one. If, if it's, it's going to take more than, than a weekend. weekend, is there any other? Well, we can. Yeah, that, that's the that's the most clean way of saying it. it prescribed length of time mm-hmm. that does not extend out longer than a week. But most people are are not sitting around with full time capacity to be able to do something for a week straight. Mm-hmm. So putting a start and stop and keeping yourself in those confines is a huge huge deal. Um, even though I have, on all these TV shows I've done, I was the electrician, the plumber, the demo guy, the guy that cleaned the toilet, the guy that replaced <laughs> the toilet, the guy the guy that cleans out and changes the P-trap under kitchen sinks, which is the grossest part of a house, period, period. <laughs> worse than a toilet, worse than a shower, P-trap in the sink is absolutely nasty. Yeah. It is gross. Um, building new kitchen, ca- all these things. We can do them. However, I typically avoid HVAC altogether. Um, anything beyond, I'm a little bit more guilty of doing a little bit more electrical work. I got a lot of experience there, but I oftentimes outsource that not because I couldn't do it, but because of the risk profile and the warranty profile, the, 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 the balance of that pros and cons list is so far weighted to outsourcing it and anything on the roof. Screw that. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. It's not worth breaking your it's arm. Not, no, it's not. It's not dangerous. Worth it. I'm 35 I and I played softball the other day and literally like I almost can't walk. Like like, <laughs> like mor- mortality is real. <laughs> mm-hmm. You know what I'm saying? And mm. and if you're under 35, maybe you don't have enough experience to be up there anyway. So like it's like <laughs> life kind of crosses at a weird juncture of motivation and lack of skill at and we don't know when it is, so just hire somebody that does it every day. In me being the the CPA, the part of me that comes out that says it, it's a financial evaluation mm. to you. Like, if I screwed this up, how much is it going to cost me? Mm-hmm. Like, do I want to like 
Ah, I don't know how, really how to use this this whole saw thing. Is that what it called? Yeah, see, exactly. She's acting out something but, with know, her hand. Circular <laughs> saw. You know, like you want to put a new faucet in your brand new granite. You know, oh, countertops. Right. Like, yeah. um, don't be stupid. Don't do that. You know, like mm-hmm. those are the types that like think through. Like, what's the worst case scenario if I screw this up? Mm-hmm. Like. Maybe electrical. What's the worst case scenario? I, I screw this up. It, it's pretty significant, you know. Like, but what's the worst case scenario? And something that, like, you know, if I, I install a dimmer, you know, like whatever. <laughs> yeah, you can. Yeah. Re- what's pay, your real you, loss? Yeah, your what, opportunity what's your real loss? loss? Yeah. And it might be. It might be a risk, or it might be a financial thing. So, like, that's where my brain goes. Is always like, how much would that cost me if I had to? Not only if I mess it up, how much it would take to have a professional it. come fix it after I did it. Like, cause they're going to have to undo what I did bad yeah. to start But with. it's not all the same for everybody. There's people with different skill sets. Mm-hmm. I look at categorical like systems of your home being a different realm. So HVAC and electrical, those are uh, a big deal. Plumbing, uh, another one of those things. Running water lines, somewhat easy. Drains, unless you really know what you're doing, be careful. Mm-hmm. Cause I, here's a, f- a quick story where a guy did his whole house and so proud of himself and didn't put an ounce of PVC glue on any of the, the drain system in his whole house. Mm-hmm. And so every joint, <laughs> it's like, oh, those aren't just slip fit. You know, you got to glue those. Like, again. Did he not like even Google it? Well, apparently not. But again, <laughs> again, something seems so ridiculous, but it's all your level of proficiency. Yeah. So uh, Polly kind of mentioned this earlier. I'm a huge advocate of doing things yourself. And pushing yourself just beyond, just beyond your level of true comfort, that's the only way you learn. Uh, That's how I've learned how to do all kinds of stuff is not just doing what I know, but pressing just beyond. But you have to understand your limits. And if if you're going more than just like 5 or 10% beyond what you've done before or have great strong oversight of somebody who has done it before or have not spent the time to really educate yourself to understand comfortably I can do this matter-of-factly with all kinds of different potentials that could go wrong. I've got the contingency for that. That's when to check yourself. Yeah. So it's right. really uh, – It's a good guideline. <laughs> so yeah. I'm not going to do anything because I have <laughs> no proficiency. <laughs> but even asking somebody that you don't hire, mm-hmm. yeah, use them for that. Be like, you know, tell me the process. If it scares the crap out of you, then, you know, yeah. maybe that's Back a good away. learning experience. Yeah. <laughs> Another thing is like for uh, like an appliance or something of that nature. If you don't find it in the owner's manual of homeowner service, it's probably not something you should be messing with. Mm-hmm. Oh no, all I have to do is take this access panel off the back of the dishwasher and Mm-mm. don't do it. Mm-mm. Not because because dishwashers aren't made like a Ford in 1984. Right. You can't computers. just like whack the carburetor with a hammer and it work. It's <laughs> these things are getting crazy high tech. You can screw up the whole darn thing and not know it and actually cause a hazard of electrical shock or fire or leaks that really can suddenly do bad things. Water so. damage is like serious. Yeah. Don't don't mess with water. Screw around with that. Water's well, strong. To say that though, there's great solutions though, that freaks people out when they go on vacation. The summer, this is the time where people are leaving. They're they're like have these horror stories of, oh gosh, my friend Sally came home and her they didn't realize if one thing was dripping and then they had to replace all their hardwood floors. The insurance company wouldn't cover it. Ah, you know, I don't know what's happening. Simple, some smart home tech. There's great options out there. Small little water sensors that you can get for literally like $25. You can stick next to your water heater, your dishwasher, under ice makers. A la carte ice makers are the worst culprits, period, 
in a house. So if you're fortunate enough to have like one of those like awesome like sonic ice like little cubelet things, mm-hmm. which I have a couple of those, love them, love them, love them, but they leak. They're, they're, for some reason, the condensate in there, it, it's, a, it's a challenge. Putting these little things in there that will alert you if there's any water that hits the ground That's gives so you peace smart. of mind whether you're there or not. Um, again, just those little things like that. There's smart home tech that's purposeful and there's smart home tech that's novelty. But uh, water sensors are a big deal. Ooh, who's re- can I read the questions? Yeah, Since go Taryn's for it, Taryn. not here. Taryn usually reads our questions, but I love to read aloud. So I'm this first read. one doesn't have photos, so we're just going to have to use our little imagination. This is from Lori. Hi, ladies and Chip. <laughs> I'm a fan of the podcast and had a question for you. My parents are building a rustic cabin in the mountains and need to pick flooring and finishes. It is going to be an open layout, great room, and kitchen on the main floor with high exposed wood ceilings and wood paneling on the floors and wood walls. Lots of wood. Obviously, oh, look, obviously this is a lot of wood, (laughs) but is the style they're going with? My question is, does all the wood need to be staying the same color? Parentheses, walls versus floors versus ceiling. End parentheses. The ceiling in the kitchen is going to be lower, and they were thinking of doing a different type of ceiling in there, like a large, like large Douglas fir beam stained very light, whereas the main living space may be mostly walnut. I'm thinking all the stain colors need to be the same throughout the same floor of the house, but the kitchen ceiling could be different if it is on a different plane than the main living room and is different enough to provide a contrast. Also, I was wondering about kitchen cabinets. Would painted cabinets be a better bet since there is so much wood tone going on in the rest of the space? Or if they are the same wood color as the walls, they may just disappear and not be a focal point, which would be fine because there will be big windows with a great view that would be better uh, to focus on than making the cabinet stand out. I'm looking forward to hearing y'all's thoughts. Thanks for the advice, Laurie. Wood lovers. Oof. Man, they got some wood. Okay. Well, we have to give a <laughs> precursor to this. There's two different types of listeners that um, are going to take this to two different ways. Okay, let's hear it. The first of which I'm not going to address is those, if if you're the type of person that would put a black bear, um, you know, toilet roll holder <laughs> mm-hmm. on the wall. Yeah. Stop I'm, listening right now. Just quit for a second. Okay. Yeah, I'm not, talking, I'm not talking to you. I can't help you over over a podcast. <laughs> we need a deeper intervention. We need, we, need, we need an intervention. The second, so this is a challenge. And a lot of times this is, this is a, per, first of all, Laurie, this is a perfect example of what a lot of people struggle with. They think that the solution is just, oh, do I paint or do I stain, right? Mm-hmm. It's like that it's going to be that basic. You have basically put a lot of variables into the mix with limited amount of thoughtfulness of what is uh, what what is changeable. So the fact that every surface in this place is wood is the largest foreseeable challenge here because uh, it's going to lock us into an aesthetic. Uh, functionally speaking, it's great. Wood is a fantastic material, fantastic natural material. The biggest thing I agree with you on, you don't want to get too crazy with stain color. Uh, especially whether it's kind of the same mentality of looking at different flooring types. If you're standing anywhere in your house and you can see more than three different flooring types, you have too many going on. Mm. It's a good rule of thumb. Mm -hmm. Stain color is even more restrictive. I would keep it at two max and they need to coordinate. Uh, wood is a gnarly thing, especially when you start getting in browns and slight green tones and then trying to bring in some cool colors with gray, things can start getting out of control if you're showing off the grain. I'm not necessarily saying, hey, paint something to give it contrast. That is a solution, but that turns a lot of people off. And I need you to hear the mentality with what paint does. 
paint contrasts stained wood because it is a much more saturated, solid aesthetic next to something that has a lot of contrast with the grain and the stain. So there's ways of still having something that appears wooden and solid that doesn't just look like you're painting a piece of plywood, mm -hmm. but you need to have a more saturated contrast, which could be a lighter paint, but it also could be a stain that has a lot more body in it that, that eliminates the contrast in the grain and the wood mm -hmm. a little bit. That's going to help the space feel a little bit more fresh. I absolutely would avoid going full on wood cabinets with wood floors. If there's, I don't know the level of rustic we're talking about here. We need to get more refined mm -hmm. or else this is going to go like crazy smoky mountains. Like what <laughs> right. I was talking about a minute ago. Plus the paint on the cabinets I think would help highlight the wood. That's right. You know, if you have, it's True. like wearing a, a entirely black outfit. Well, if you wear a pair of pink shoes with a black outfit, it's going to make it pop. You know, it's going to give yeah. you some contrast there. So if doing something different on the cabinets would help. One thing that I also is a good rule of thumb. And again, this is kind of like design for dummies a little bit. Like there are levels where this doesn't necessarily apply, but imagine you have a dark uh, stain on the floor that you just love. Typically I would recommend contrasting that with your cabinets and then contrasting it back again with your, your, your countertop surfaces. This is the safest way of getting good, crisp, contrast profile in the space mm -hmm. that might be a great spot for you to start laurie is there and then that could better educate some of these more peripheral decisions like the ceiling or whatever else if yeah. you don't if it's not if it's like tongue and groove or something where there's contour of the actual uh form of the wood itself on the ceiling that can stand alone on its own without having to have that wood grain so maybe toning that down a little bit i'm probably more of a fan of getting some uh, a solid tone on the ceiling that's nice contrast it's a little bit lighter um that that would probably be my first gut uh reaction when you say that do you mean a stain that's just more opaque uh, it, or are you saying paint the ceiling it could e either one okay either one the whole idea is i don't want to see stained grain stained grain stained grain uh -huh. that's really the biggest thing uh that you're trying to to compromise so if somebody says well i don't want to paint it well there are still ways of staining something that accomplishes the same thing uh -huh. that a more uh, opaque paint or coating would do. Got it. One thing I would also say, um, and this is just like after you've made all these wood decisions, when you come down to like the decorating, I would like lean heavily on like upholstery and soft goods and like maybe don't have a wood, wood coffee table, like maybe have a glass metal coffee or, table yeah. or metal or a fabric ottoman or Some something woven. just because all of that wood is going to feel like really smoky mountains, like you said, yeah. and some contrast in your, your, your furniture will help kind of break that up. She definitely said rustic cabin, but you could do rustic with fabric. I mean, it's, no, it's in the saying, colors yeah, and they're stuff. going for something here. Yeah. Woodsy. Well, there, there's a woodsy, there's a woodsy motif. But there are levels of rustic. There, so. I mean, well, I think, you don't want to make it look saying, like a, yeah. a Disney world cabin. You know, you yeah. want it to feel. Well, wood is, wood is, is is bold and it's dominant and on every single surface you have inadvertently pre-decided what your dominant feature is in the space so therefore mm -hmm. your furnishings your decor need to not further go down that mountain you need to contrast that and give credence to the beautiful wood and the dominance of that feature so yeah. kind of just again it's 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 contrast there too is really going to help yeah. well plus if you if you if you lean away from wood and the furniture you're not going to have the sort of like microcosm of, wait, I've matched all of this. I've like gone through matching all the woods together in this room. Now, crap, 
do I have to find a coffee table that also matches? Does, does, it, does it not match? Yeah. Like You're so far you, down the rabbit hole <laughs> mm-hmm. that you need to come up for air for a second because yeah. you're not making good decisions. Great. <laughs> well, Lori, invite us over. We want to check it out when it's all finished. Yeah, send pics. I'm sure the view is great. Send some pictures. I'm sure it is. All right, cool. What's our next? Oh, I get to read the next one too. Ha <laughs> yeah. Okay. Hello, ladies and Chip. Love your podcasts. Wish they were weekly as I enjoy the discussions and contributing guests. I understand you need some dilemmas, so this is ours. Our living room is approximately 13 by 16 feet. We sold our old sofa and are left with two comfy chairs. The sofa never looked right as it was too oversized and we could never figure out where to place it. Our problem is the layout. You and everybody else. I mean, that is everyone's problem. (laughs) We need to add more seating, but the distance between the four windows is so awkward for placement of furniture. The front windows are wider apart than the others. And when a sofa is on that wall, the sofa is off center and weird. Next page. (laughs) Um, The room had a natural fiber rug that ran from wall to wall, including under the piano, but it has been relocated to the dining room as it was not as cozy as we want in there. Questions. How do we add a sofa or not without looking like we are cramming furniture in here? The room adjacent is the dining room, which has its own issues for later. The other entrance is the front hallway. Uh, This room is not our primary living area, but as you can see, the room does get used by our adorable grandson and my husband who plays the piano daily. Um, I would love to frame our favorite piano music. Two, is it okay to lay a rug only up to the piano and leave the piano on the hardwoods and just frame the sitting area with a rug? Three, there are four questions. Three, do we add a sofa at all? Try a sectional and move chairs out? Not sure what the plan is. Maybe scrap the two chairs and buy four matching. The dining table is probably changing to a round from a rectangle. So if we did four chairs in a circle, is that too much of the same feeling Mm. in the adjacent room? Number four, additional pieces to add. A chest and tables, floor, floor lamp, art, ottoman. We gather in here for the holidays and randomly during the week to read, etc. This year, I'm determined to transform this room into a cozy, warm space. Um, And she talks about a little bit of wall color. And I don't know. That's kind of it. So the room, as she said, is a rectangle. There is, looks like two of the walls have windows. Mm-hmm. So there's two windows on two walls. So four total windows. One other, uh, the two walls without windows, one has a normal size, like 36 doorway. And the other has probably a six foot entrance into the dining room, open entrance. How to arrange the furniture. Go, Chip. Mm-hmm. There's a lot of questions. A lot of questions. <laughs> I, again, I think that this is like, regardless of what like our opinion of this particular room is, for mm-hmm. everybody listening, this is a common methodology for how people ask questions. They kind of go on this like, well, I want to do this, and then I have this question, and then if I do this, and it's this, and it's everything right. is a bit of a linear progression. Where you want to start with all of this is circulation. Circulation and what you're using the room for. We're assuming that there's seating going on in here. Um, I see a piano. Um, Toys. My, my first play. question is: Do you use the piano? They said every day. Yeah, every day. Every mm-hmm. day. I must have. I must have. You zoned out. out. <laughs> you were out. looking at pictures. Yeah, you were. You were studying pictures. Mm-hmm. Um, if that's a big deal, um, the next thing so is circulation. What I do in a floor plan like this is I draw out dominant features and I literally draw a line that's representative of a symmetrical axis around like the center of that. So like this big, you know, seven foot wide doorway in between the dining room and this room. We know you don't want to put a couch in that doorway. Everybody knows that. But if you were to draw, you know, a 42 inch wide path that's right there on the floor plan, that's going to start to give you a feel for 
a, a spot where furniture could go. Mm-hmm. So from one door to the other, you draw the path? Well, yeah. If it's so, like so a walkway the, so through there? So you would have one that is per- perpendicular straight from that doorway. You'd have another one perpendicular from the doorway on the other wall. Mm-hmm. So that's going to give us uh, circulation paths. We're going to not want to be jiggity-jogging back and forth. Right. That's not going to be your best solution anywhere. We next have natural features in the room. we got a big piano, which could be moved. Mm-hmm. Um, in fact, that may be the, the the key to this room, is moving the piano more over in that corner where the windows are. Right. Uh, and giving us more thing. of an anchor wall to work with without having to deal with these other features like windows mm-hmm. for furniture scale. Put the furniture on the walls with no windows. That's what, that, yes. that would be a first a first go. If you don't like that idea, then I we need to we need to mm-hmm. accommodate what these windows are. I'm more in favor of a la carte chairs rather than big couches. One thing that, uh, unless you're going to go with an enormous couch, mm-hmm. like you can't kind of straddle the pine too much when it comes to furniture size. You have to go, if something's feeling awkward, a slight change is typically not going to be what fixes it. We mm-hmm. need to either consolidate and go more trim, get uh, get more of like a tailored chair that doesn't feel like a big, uh, puffy, floofy thing that takes up you know, 16 square feet, something a little bit smaller, or we go much bigger, but we consolidate together, making it actually take up the whole volume of this corner and making it absolutely the dominant feature in this room. Mm-hmm. Both of these directions can work. I think in this scenario, uh, we're going to have an option of either way and probably a, a couch and combination of chairs can work if the piano is not on that, uh, in that corner. Yeah. So the more I'm looking at it, I think that that's actually the easiest solution is we're just moving the piano. Move the piano yeah. over to the windows, put furniture on the walls with no windows. I think that's going to get us 90% there. Agreed. The Agreed. good news is that she doesn't mention anything about watching television in here. Mm-mm. So I feel Play like room. it's just a sitting room. So that's good because then you don't have to worry about like it. I don't know. I feel like people get confused with like what's the focal point. I need, a, I need face stuff in the direction of the TV. So that's good. And I have to have a place to sit down. Like It's like a sitting room after sitting room after sitting room. There's a living room. And right. That, that's one of the biggest things people do that is an unnecessary encumbrance on requirement is just the feeling of how much seating you have to have in every space. Mm-hmm. Sometimes it's just not necessary. Mm-hmm. Uh, sometimes less is way, 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 way more. Yeah. And do you need massive comfortable seating like you have to have a place to pass out after Thanksgiving dinner in here? Or do you just need a spot to have a a conversation while you're listening to someone play the piano right. for yeah. five minutes. You yeah, know, or if like, you want to sit and watch your grandson play while you're, you know, play with his trucks while your husband plays yeah. on the piano. You definitely need some storage for the toys. Yep. Yeah. Something concealed. What about concealed. the rug question? So she was asking, so say we do move the, the piano and the other side of the room has furniture. Does she need the rug to kind of encompass the whole room and go under the piano or is it okay to just go up to the piano? I think with the scale of this room, this is a little bit of a personal choice. Mm-hmm. I, w- I, w- I don't think you're going to get away with not going under the piano a little bit. Yeah. I would I would want to have a, a rug that feels scaled to this room, so that's not going to be a small rug. Mm-hmm. If I'm looking at this, I'm thinking like an 8 by 10 is not going to be too big. Right. Um, I think because the room's that, thirteen by sixteen, she could go nine by twelve and call it a day. Yeah, yeah. I think right? I, I would be more, yeah, to going a little bit larger, just like that, letting one of the legs of the piano cover uh, over the rug, uh, and I would get some. I, I would keep something in the lighter uh, color palette here with this kind of light green, you know, cool color in here. I'm not going to want to go back darker over on top of this floor. We want to freshen this thing up mm-hmm. to get some good because that the piano is black. 
Um, again, it's the same contrast planes that we're dealing with here. This is not a monochromatic room. There's going to be color. Uh, I say a light rug uh, on the ground that, yeah, 8 by 10, 9 by 12. Yeah, perfect. Um, I think, too, if she had wing chairs or something taller, a little height in there would be nice. Mm-hmm. But anyway, that's all really kind of personal. Yeah. What, what, but, but what, this is what a, would be comfy? If you can figure out where the stuff goes, everything else follows really Yeah, nice. draw a floor plan. Get on the, the room planner on our website. Draw your floor plan out. Like you said, you can draw in the path in there mm-hmm. and then see what fits and what's going to suit yeah. your need for the room. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Including storage for the toys. <laughs> Mm-hmm. All right. I like we don't it. know anything about that. No. Oh my gosh. Three kids. Your kids don't Three get kids. toys. Mm-mm. No toys for kids. No, they get a hammer. That's it. <laughs> Go work on that project. I've got a lot of good traits, but a bad trait is I get rid of a lot of toys. Why is that a bad trait? Permission. Well, you have to do <laughs> it without asking because otherwise they never let go of anything. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> the kids we, will find their, their we, stuff we can hang in the trash and no, I think it was your four-year-old brother. You have He's to, such a rascal. You have to get rid of the trash when you throw things away of a family he member. I do this that. all the time. You have to like bury it. Karen's boys are fully grown. Yeah. She knows Take it tricks. to the curb. You got to put it under a couple of items yeah. to where somebody would have to dig mm-hmm. for it. Pour like gross food on top. Mm-hmm. Why are you Why are you trashing them? You should be like calling If they're your... broken or something. Yeah, okay. yeah, yeah, yeah. All right. Oh, they'll keep them. You, you got that baby coming. They're going to keep no, the I junk. No, I was going to just say like take it to someone who wants a toy. Oh, yeah, no. Yeah. I'm just saying in the fit of rage when your four-year-old gets hold of a Sharpie and draws on your cabinets, you just start throwing stuff away. I'm oh, taking okay. your toys. Fair enough. <laughs> <laughs> you can pray and ask for forgiveness later. <laughs> <laughs> All right. So tell our listeners where they can find you. How do they get in touch with you? Should yeah. I follow you on Instagram? Sure. Watch yeah. your next show what 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 should they do so uh you can always find us my my personal website is chipwade.com but i wouldn't go there i'd go to our website wadeworks creative mm-hmm. um that basically uh gives information of more about what we do current events speaking engagements seminars i teach a lot of courses i do a lot of speaking engagements um, there's information on architecture and design and real estate as well as production which is more of the exciting part of, of really uh, kind of what we do. We work with, um, we do a lot of interactive um, experiences for brands in the home and lifestyle category. And why that could be interesting for people uh, listening is our goal is to change the dynamic in the way people shop for products for their home. Uh, you don't shop for a light fixture the same way you shop for a kitchen faucet, the same way you shop for a couch. Right. So as someone who actually specifies and helps clients uh, uh, ordain their homes, design their homes, I'm working with brands to help transition that experience of the digital purchasing decision, because just swiping a thirty seven hundred dollar couch and augmented reality into your dark, crappy living room does not necessarily uh, answer the questions that you need to buy that couch. It's not necessarily a service to the consumer. So I'm very passionate about doing those things. You're going to see, um, I just am releasing a brand new um, uh, e-commerce platform for Dowtile, which is going to be really fun to see of how we're answering questions digitally for that specific product category. That's not just the same as like a paint visualizer. It's very, very specific. It takes people through a journey that aids them in seeing and answering every question digitally so we can buy it from our smartphone and make it convenient. Right. Um, so there's some really, really fun things we're doing there. Um, all my social channels are at Chip Wade. 
Uh, the only uh, one, a chipway design is uh, the only one that's different. That's for Facebook. Um, other than that, really fun things that are going on right now is I'm releasing my uh, first furniture line. I've never Ooh. done this before. Um, uh, and it's called Extra Room by Chip Wade. So X-T-R-A-R-O-O-M and it's just extraroom.com. We just released in Canada last month. It'll be available for people to buy in the U.S. in August, mm-hmm. um, which is very exciting. And it is very true to what I do. Um, if you watch any of my shows over the years, I'm always being innovative with space. So Extra Room isn't just about like tiny space design. It's about smart space design. And we're creating multi-purpose transforming furnishings that aren't just an a la carte thing. So it's not just a wall bed that right. goes from like a desk down to a bed. It's a feature like a wall bed that pairs with a couch and desk and storage solutions all in the same room that do different things mm-hmm. in different configurations together. So one room can transform together for multi-purpose. So I'm taking a lot of the top challenges with all of these different homeowner experiences that I've had over you know the last decade. Let the cream rise to the top of, hey, everybody's dealing with these things. Mm-hmm. And I created solutions for those. I'm not just crafting, oh, wouldn't it be cool if I could make a piece of art you know, transform into a, you know, right. a set of drapes. That sounds awesome. You uh, know, I love it. right, right. So it's not just novelty and I don't right. care anything practical. about shiny objects and th- like we create tools that are practical. And this is my first um, experience in doing something to create that everybody can actually go buy. Awesome. So, so yeah. anyways, it's going to be, it's going to be really exciting. I'm designing outdoor solutions and uh, garage solutions next, uh, but it's very, very specific. Uh, as much as I want to design like a beautiful, just like freestanding dining table and coffee table, I love that. But that's what this is, is there, there's a, there's a mentality behind why we're doing things that, that transform together. Awesome. That's really yeah. interesting. Yeah. All right. And, okay, and it's extra room. Extra room. Okay. But no I was e. just thinking. That's right. X-T-R-A. We have not, like, there's so much that we didn't even cover. Like, I know. We barely even talked about TV. We didn't talk about your friend. I mean, we need to have you back. <sighs> No, there's a lot. We'll let Polly talk next time. Oh yeah, sorry. <laughs> I'm typically happens. Guilty of this. Polly is. Uh, we call her the string to my kite. <laughs> Affectionately so. <laughs> no, it was jam packed full of information. Yeah, yeah. Um, all right. Well, that's our show. Thank you so much for coming. Of course, sitting down yes, with us. We really appreciate it. It was so fun. And you can find all of the show notes for this episode. We'll put links to. Everything we talked about, we can put a link to Chip and Polly's house, which was an HGTV mm-hmm. HGTV magazine a couple years ago. Last year? I don't know. Sounds good to me. I don't remember yeah. what it was. In Maybe. the past. In the yeah. past. And we would love for you to leave us a review in iTunes. That'd be great. And, um, of course, subscribe to the show in iTunes. Follow us on social media at Ballard Designs. And send your questions into podcast at ballarddesigns.net. We'll answer them on a future episode. And until next time, happy decorating. decorating.